This is my instant reaction for Barbarian. One of the whitest kids you know has made one of the weirdest movies of 2022, and I'm here to talk about it. My name is Jason. I am the host of Binge Movies. This is my instant reaction for Barbarian, a movie that's now playing in theaters in the United States and elsewhere around the world, talking about the film. Uh, it was directed by Zach Krieger. I want to say that's the right way to say it. It stars Bill Skarsgård and Georgina, oh boy, Campbell? I want to say that's right, Georgina Campbell. Um, and I'm going to leave it at just about that. Um, this is a, I'm going to try to do my best to talk about themes and then, um, I will get into a spoiler section on the back half of this. If you've never listened to an instant reaction before I go to the movie theater, I watch a movie, I walk out of the movie theater, I step in front of a microphone and I record my thoughts in real time as they come to me. Um, I try to do spoiler free up front, but if you want to go in absolutely clean, Probably shouldn't listen to this. If you like these kind of instant reactions, but you'd want one sooner rather than later, you can get them even more instantaneously thanks to our Patreon, patreon.com slash binge movies. Clerks and above get instant reactions before they hit the main feed. Okay, down to this. Ostensibly, the movie's about two or three different themes. Um... And they'll give you a feel, in essence, for the movie um, and whether or not you're going to like it or not. Um, well, before I get to themes, let me start here. Let me start with what I think some viewers may not like about the film. Some viewers may not like that this movie <sighs> presents itself as a movie <laughs> uh, about XYZ. Right. It presents itself as as one movie, and it becomes another 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 movie. And any one of those kernels of an idea that we get could have been fully extended. You could imagine a world in which any one of those movies surrounding any one of those people could be a feature-length film in and of itself. I think that's part of the point of the movie, though, is that every time it uh, is about to do what you think it ought to do, including inside the film itself, the characters, every time the characters are going to do what you think they should do, because it's a horror movie, or because you've seen maybe something kind of like this before, or situations like uh, that, that, that uh, uh, arise in this film before, and trust me, there's plenty you've never seen before. Um, it's it's it it zigs when it's supposed to zag, right? Just when you think you know what it's about to do, a character will either do it in a very very different way than you would anticipate, or not do the thing you thought they would do and do something more reasonable. That's the challenge of modern horror movies, by the way. The challenge of a modern horror film is that you have to get characters to reasonably put themselves in unreasonable circumstances. And from a script level, you almost have to back-end them into, again, unreasonable scenarios for scary, spooky, gory, graphic things to happen. This is one of those movies of the 21st century where it knows that you know horror movies, and so it's got to get its characters from point A to point B, and it has to back-end them into these 
these scenarios. We've seen this a lot recently. Uh, X did this as well, by the way. Um, but we see it a lot in films. A lot of Jordan Peele movies will do that as well. Um, anyway, I could see from some viewers the frustration that, hey, I want this movie to be blank, or I want this movie, once the movie becomes this, I want it to go the full way with that story. And instead we get kind of bits and pieces that would seem as if they're, they're not fully executed ideas. So if somebody watched this film and walked out of it and said it felt like a series of improperly realized ideas and I didn't like it because of that or because I found it comical, I didn't find it scary or this, that, whatever, or I found it too gross or whatever, I would hear it and I couldn't necessarily disagree with you. Um, I think it's a well-directed movie. It's a well-acted film. Um, I The screenplay didn't bother me. I just didn't know whether or not I was supposed to laugh at it or not. And the boundary line between laughter and fear is very thin. I mean, a lot of people, you laugh when you're scared, right? A lot of people, right? You, It's the natural kind of instinct. It's it's a very similar mechanism in the brain, our fight or flight, the you know, limbic system. So I didn't know whether I was supposed to laugh at it or not. I did laugh. There's a visual image of the film that that is um, ties directly into some of the themes of the movie and some of the plot points of the movie. And I laughed. I, I, I was giggling to myself because it just kept compounding. It was like a sketch. And now that I, now that I Googled it after the fact and realized that this is one of the guys from Why This Kid You Know, this movie makes a lot more sense. <laughs> and some of its sensibility makes a lot more sense. And there's, again, there's this really thin boundary between funny humor, dark humor, inappropriate humor, and horror. And, I mean, look, again, Jordan Peele, right? You could take almost any of the sketches that he did on Key and Peele and just dial it in one direction, you know, just by a matter of degrees. It's a horror movie. And a lot of those sketches from Key and Peele would end, if you really think about it, very darkly. Um, so this is almost that kind of thing almost in reverse where to me it almost becomes more I want to say comedic but it, it just it's a wild film and your response is going to be I can't either I can't believe that they're doing that and you are along for the ride or you're going to be like this movie fucking sucks I hate every minute of it I I could see audiences going either way and I can't necessarily disagree thematically the film is about women it's about the boundaries that women have to cross self-imposed boundaries that women have to impose for their safety that they then often have to cross to be participants in a male-dominated world if that sounds too too stuffy or too heady or too feministy for you it it's doesn't the movie is clear of what its intentions are thematically but it doesn't necessarily beat you over the head with a preaching message um there there are visual metaphors that convey this there are scenarios that convey this there are situations that convey this and i do think there is a point at which maybe midway through the movie where there's a particular character and a particular subplot of the film i think puts maybe too fine of a point on it um in, in some very direct dialogue. I'm trying to be careful here. But 
there's so much other crazy stuff going on, right? If, if, if that character in that scenario were introduced earlier and up front in the film, I feel like it would have taken something away from it. But by the point certain things come to fruition in the plot, um, your mind is just on the, the craziness of the movie. I'm going to say this as a caveat, if you've seen the film, it's not that I'm, I object to that plot point or that particular character or that subplot or et cetera, et cetera. It's that I felt like some of the dialogue got a little closer to heavy handed, but they, I think they were doing a better job with Georgina Campbell's character uh, and, and her interactions with Bill Skarsgård and just the way she was carrying herself and some of the visual, I'm a show don't tell sort of guy. So I, I don't necessarily need as much material to hold my hand through a film as I think sometimes general audiences do. That's not a humble brag. It's just means I've watched a lot of movies and have listened for hours and hours as people have talked about movies. And I've talked to people for hours and hours about movies. And I always learn something from my guests. And it's a, it's a privilege that I have that most people don't. So um, all that being said, uh, I really like the film. Um, I, if I had to give it a score on the letterbox score uh, for these instant reactions, I try to follow a five star rule on our ranking episodes. We go by 10. Um, they're not stars. They're, I don't know. They're whatever that you want them to be. Ah, this is really tough. My gut, my gut, my gut says like four to five, but that seems really high. It's a very ballsy, bizarro just let's throw a bunch of shit at the wall sort of film. And again, if that works for you and you're along for the ride, my experience was deeply enhanced. I was in a the middle, a middle seat, two empty seats on either side of me, and on the other, other side of them, either of them, two couples. And they were talking and in an appropriate volume, kind of under their breath, but we were close enough I could hear it. So kind of talking under their breath and kind of talking to each other and kind of squirming and jumping and all this stuff at all the right places that you'd want in a movie like this. And it, just as comedies are enhanced in a screening, a horror movie that's got some goofy shit in it that you can laugh at is also, and certain things you could jump at together, it just enhances the experience. So I think it's probably like a 3.5, but it gets a 0.5 boost. You know, it gets it gets a it gets a whole half a star boost, probably just from the people sitting next to me. Um, I really enjoy their commentary. Uh, that's it for the non-spoiler portion. I'd recommend it. I know some people are saying this is this year's malignant. I think that puts too much pressure on this film. Uh, just go into it, letting it be its own thing. Is it a rush out and go see it in theaters? The only reason I would say that is because it's very likely to be spoiled for you. And if you really want to have the purest, undiluted experience of this movie, you should probably go see it in theaters. If it's a, hey, I'm tight on a budget and I've got some other stuff I want to see this month, um, then no. <laughs> Wait for it on streaming. I think it's, I honestly, I think this is going to play really well on streaming. The perfect scenario for this movie is Friday night on a rental with some pizza. And for those that know, know. If you don't know, now you know. I will move into spoilers very quickly on the other side of this. Looking for even more unique and creative movie content? Become a patron. Choose between three levels and you'll get benefits like a personalized membership card, exclusive shows, 
early instant reactions to new releases, episode voting power, live streams, and more. Join today, patreon.com slash binge movies. Spoilers. Um, I don't know how much I actually want to spoil for it. So I'm going to, it's, it's kind of an all or nothing proposition. Fuck it, I'm going to spoil the entire thing, all of it. So if you don't want it spoiled, do not listen, okay? Here is the plot of this movie. Georgina Campbell's character, uh, if you've seen the trailer, you got this far, rents an Airbnb. She plays Tess Marshall. She rents an Airbnb. We get some kind of a background where she's going through a breakup. It's sort of on the phone, you know, calls, text messages. It's very much set up in the same way as 10 Cloverfield Lane is with um, what's-her-face's character, uh, Winstead, and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character in that film, which if you haven't seen that, I highly recommend that film. And so she has checked herself into an Airbnb because she has an interview to be a documentarian researcher for... Uh, a documentary is doing a film, a, a documentary about Detroit and the music scene, an artist scene in Detroit post-collapse Detroit. She gets into the Airbnb, or she gets to the Airbnb, and it's kind of the middle of the night. It's real rainy, and the key's not there. Nobody's answering the phone, you know, the property management company, and she cannot get into this house. Light comes on, Bill Skarsgård plays Keith, opens the door, and he's like, what are you doing here? It's the middle of the night. And she's like, this is my Airbnb. And he's like, I got this on some other, you know, Airbnb type, you know, verbo or whatever. He, he says something in particular, but he got on some other, you know, house sharing site. And they're like, oh my God, can you believe this? And so they, she shows the information on her phone. He's like, okay, all right, yeah. And then, you know, there's all this dynamic between them of he's a strange man. She's a vulnerable woman in a strange place. And she's trying to be cool while at the same time keeping herself safe. And there's all of this fear that he is some kind of a, some kind of a weirdo, right? Or at the very least, he's just a guy and guys are dangerous. And, you know, Skarsgård could kind of pick up on it. He's like, oh man. So he's like, Shows her his information, yada, yada, yada. Um, eventually, throughout the course of an evening, they figure out that they have more in common than you would think. But the entire time you're thinking, obviously, like Fresh or so many other movies we've seen, this guy's going to be a psychopath. Like, something's going to be up with this guy. Plus, it's Bill Skarsgård, right? Like, he's Pennywise. He's a main character. He's probably going to turn out to be a monster. Or he'll have, like, a split personality that's a barbarian. And you're just trying to think through, like, okay, what's the twist here? And some weird, creepy shit happens kind of to both of them. You know, it's almost like a, you think it's maybe it's a haunted house movie and they're both just going to be stuck in this haunted Airbnb. Well, the next morning comes after some fake outs and whatnot, and he's gone, right? He's, he's left to go do whatever he has to do. He wishes her good luck on her. He writes a little note. Hey, good luck on your interview. She goes to her interview, seemingly gets the job. Um, but when she leaves to go to the interview, she looks around and she is in one of the worst parts of Detroit. It's this kind of nice, well-maintained house in one of the worst parts of Detroit. And she does not feel safe at all. She comes back from the interview. She's, she had a great night with, with 
uh, Keith the night before. By the way, she got a chance to look at his ID. The information he gave her was correct. His name is correct. Where he's from is correct. It's all. So it's like seemingly adding up like maybe this guy's like an okay guy. And maybe there's even a little bit of chemistry going on there. But she's kind of got this on again, off again, toxic relationship, can deal with a controlling man. And hence one of our themes. Well, she gets back to the house. And this street person comes right up to her and says, don't go in that house. Don't go in that house, young lady. Right. And he's like the harbinger of doom, obviously. So she feels like she's being attacked. We've seen horror movies. We know that he's not trying to attack her. He's trying to warn her. There's something dangerous in that house. Is it Bill Skarsgård? Well, he's not there. And so she starts like packing her stuff up to go and whatnot. And she's thinking about waiting around for him to get back. And she's not quite sure and yada, yada, yada. And she goes to take a pee and she runs out of toilet paper. Lo and behold, the toilet paper is down in the basement. So she goes down in the basement. When she does, she gets locked in the basement. And then looking around for some way to get herself out of the basement, she finds a hidden door. So she, just like she crossed over the threshold into the house in a dark and stormy night in the middle of the night with a strange man, again, breaking a personal boundary, risking her own safety, she does it again. And she goes down a long hallway, and at the end of the hallway, she finds, a, it's not even a hallway, it's like a mine shaft. And at the end of this mine shaft hallway thing, she finds basically what could be best be described as a snuff room. There's a room, a filthy soiled mattress, an old school camcorder, and a bucket, and blood prints all over the wall. And she's like, no, I gotta get the fuck out of here. She tries to get out of there until she realizes that there's another hidden door at the end of the hallway. This is the point where I start laughing. Um, and she opens that door and then goes, finds a descending staircase. So we've gone from basement to like mine shaft to now like stone. It's like a cave. And she goes down into the cave. Um, and uh, she really freaks out, right? And I'm actually getting some of these details wrong, but I'm trying to zoom through it a little bit faster. So eventually she comes running upstairs. She runs into, uh, she's stuck in this basement. She's trapped. Keith comes home to the Airbnb. He's outside. She's knocking on the window. They get the window open. She, he, she gives him the key. He gets in the house. And she's like, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And she's like, what's going on? And she's like, there's a room and there's in the basement and there's a room down there and there's a dirty mattress and there's a camera and there's a bucket. And to him, he's like, this just sounds like, he's like, he literally says like, this is a basement. Basements are full of junk. Like, I, I know you were scared. You were trapped down there, but I didn't see what you saw. And this gets into the believe all women. Like, she, she knows what she's experienced. He doesn't believe her. He's a nice guy, but he doesn't believe her. Or so we're led to believe. So then he kind of gets a little controlling with her. You know, he's like, like, don't leave. Stay here. Don't go. This, that. Like, his demeanor kind of changes. And he's like, look, I'm sorry. Just let me go check it out. And if I see it for myself, then I'll believe you. Right. But I need more evidence. And this is a recurring theme that no one believes this character, Georgina, either because she's a woman 
or because of her appearance, or maybe even some race subtext, although that gets a little bit muddied based on how it plays out. But there's definitely like class and gender, at the very least, playing into this. And there's kind of a tie-in point about like Detroit being forgotten, certain people in Detroit being forgotten, women being forgotten, marginalization. And um, so she goes down, or he goes down, and she's like, do you see it? And he's like, yeah. And then he just goes radio silent. And you want her to just leave, just get out of there. Don't turn back, you know. Don't go back down that basement. Because she's about ready to go out the door. Well, instead, she's like, Keith, Keith, Keith. So she ends up following all back through her footsteps. And this is actually where she finds the second staircase. It's more cave-like. And she can hear him. and He's crying out for help. And we're, we're not sure. Is this a trap? Is this where the twist happens? The turn? This is where he reveals he's a monster. And she gets down there. And there is a uh, journey to the center of the earth. She runs into him. She finds all kind of like cages and dog bowls and weird shit down there. And she runs into him. And he is terrified. And he's like, there's somebody down here. There's somebody down here. And they bit me. And we can't go that way. We can't go that way. We have to go this other way. We can't go the way you came because that's where they were at. We have to, and he freaks out. And this um, cave woman, I, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it, but this gangly, completely nude, monstrous, inbred, feral, cave-dwelling woman appears and just bashes Bill Skarsgård's brains out. And it turns out he wasn't a bad guy. Uh, he's just a guy. And he's not the villain of the piece. This creature is. This woman is. But not really. And it gets crazier from there. And I'd probably have to go on for 25 more minutes to explain where it goes from there. All I will say is she gets captured. or Georgina gets captured. And it feels like that should be the end of the movie. Because the first part moves very, very slowly. And we hard cut to black. We stay on black for a while. And then when we come back, it's Justin Long, who I did not know was in this movie. And um, I would say the themes with him without going into very specific details. Uh, he, he's, he's a te television show producer or writer or showrunner or something who gets me too and the star of his show, or a actress on the show, says that he was guilty of sexual misconduct in so far as rape. And he denies, 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 denies. And she's a bitch, and she's like, it was consensual, and like, she's making it up and ruining my career. And like, he gets blacklisted, and nobody wants anything to do with him. But he has some property in Michigan because he's about to go broke from all of this from his life being ruined thanks to quote-unquote cancel culture. So he's like, I need to liquidate some of my property. He has investment properties in Detroit, and lo and behold, one of them is this house. There's a theme there with him between his own mother, him, society, and um, this, this woman in the tunnels, in which I would say society doesn't believe women and society infantilizes men. And it's the job of women to infantilize men. Society expects women to infantilize men. While somehow, in this 
same sick dynamic allow themselves to be controlled by men. And so it creates this dynamic in which men are infantilized, but then infantile men then become the most domineering gender or force in society, right? So not only do you have just a, a, a patriarchy, you have a patriarchy of, uh, of um, infants. You have a, a patriarchy of, um, which is bad enough in its, of itself, right? But you have, you don't, it's not a benevolent patriarchy. It, it's, it's like you're not just expected to be oppressed. You are expected to be the caregiver of your oppressor. That is part of what's at work in the movie. And there's other themes as well. And it kind of unfolds. And um, where the metaphor breaks down a little bit is the, the, the sort of motherhood. I, I guess you could make the argument that women learn to infantilize their partners through their mothers. Because there's this scene with um, Justin Long where he's, he is, he's in Detroit and his mom's like, well, you know, it's a short four-hour flight to Detroit. We'd sure love to see you. And he's like, dad said that? Dad would want to see me? And she goes, well, you know how your dad is. He's just angry, right? So clearly there's some sort of dysfunction in this family, but it's the mother's role. It's the feminine role to placate and to infantilize well right obviously there's some kind of a the dad in this situation is fucked up but he's allowed to be fucked up because he you know how he is like a baby right oh you know he just gets upset sometimes right and she's doing the same thing oh i believe in you so much sweetie and you're the best da, 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 da. and and he's and she, he's like, well, you don't believe what this bitch is saying about me. Well, don't call her that now. I know you want to, and I understand, but you can't really do that, you know. And she's again, and and sort of treating him as if he's a child. And I think the idea is that mothers pass down patriarchy to their daughters. I think that's in there to, to play, um, and and their sons, in essence. Um, that almost feels like I'm blaming women, but. I think there's some of that, right? Is that you, you, this, there's the idea of things that genetics and things that get passed down and copies of copies of copies and things get more and more distorted the more generations it gets handed down. And there is this moment where the, I'm sure the internet will come up with some, some name for this, this woman. I'm just going to call her a mama. There's this, Mama is babying and is actually protecting Georgina Campbell. And she ends up protecting her from Justin Long, who's the real monster of the piece. Um, and I could really break that down, but I don't, again, I don't, I want to, I, there's time for this. Um, so I don't, (laughs) Um, and you're, and she's like, she says to mama, Georgina, uh, Tess says to the mama character, I can't go back because all she wants, cause she's injured, she's hurt. And the mama character just is, she can't really speak, but she can kind of 
nail her way through conversation. And she's sort of grunting and has a few words that she can kind of say and is pointing with these, you know, monster fingers. And it's like, basically, let's go home, right? I will take care of you. You're hurt. I will take care of you. You need to come home. And Tessa's response is, I can't go back. And there's a bit of sympathy in it where she really kind of understands her and understands that, in a sense, she is a victim as well, right? That she's not just a monster and a perpetrator, but she is a victim of this system. She's a another woman who's a victim of the patriarchy. But this wounded young woman is like, I cannot go back. I can't go back. Like, you can't put me back into the way you want things to be. And ultimately uh, kills her, I believe. There might be an after credit. I didn't stay as late enough as it is. Um, and then walks off into the sunrise. Uh, Tess does. And I think there's something there about like I I you, I can't I can't go I can't go back into the way that I was raised. Maybe I'm stretching the metaphor too thin, but again, this is my instant reaction. So I like the movie because I like movies that have ideas in them as well as it's not just like shock and gore, which there is gore, and there is some shocking stuff, and there's a bunch of stuff I skipped over, but I like movies that have themes. I like movies that have something on their mind. And this movie is goofy, but it has something on its mind. I would, I would make it closer akin to, uh, what's the what's the one with the turkey baster? <laughs> they made a sequel to it where they made the the sex offender of the hero. I would say it's closer to like if you could take a Brian De Palma film. It's only really one or two shots of De Palma esque, but they're they're there. If you could take something that's like closer to a weirdo De Palma movie, mix it up with a little Jordan Peele, mix it up with a little uh, uh, whatever that movie is with the turkey baster and a couple other things, I think you kind of get this movie. I laughed through major portions of it, but also was sort of horrified through portions of it. So I think that's the response they wanted from me, and it definitely got a response. So I would recommend it. Um, yeah, those are my thoughts. That's my instant reaction to this film. This is my instant reaction to Barbarian. If you've seen it, let me know in the comments below what you think about it. If you haven't seen it, did this review persuade you to give it a chance if you were negative on it, or did it turn you off? Would you like these episodes to be shorter? Do you want more spoilers, less spoilers? Tell me what you want in the comments below. And until next time, binge on.